You're listening to the Cougar Talk Podcast, hosted by Dylan McMinn and Chris Isaacson. Welcome, everybody, to the Cougar Talk Podcast. This is your weekly podcast talking all things BYU and college football in general. I'm your host, Dylan, at Cert Opinion on Twitter. Joining me today is my good friend, Chris. Chris, how's it going? It's going great. Here for another week of BYU football. I have not been this excited, as Joey would say, since last week. How have you been since the last time we recorded? Yeah, I've been great. I've been watching a lot of football, getting into the college football games around the country. Been getting the first week of the NFL started. That was a great time. I love when the NFL is back. So I've been enjoying my football the last week, and that means life is good. Absolutely, and I definitely agree with that. When football is back, life is definitely good. Now, before we dive into today's episode, we do want to give a shout out to today's sponsors. So this episode is sponsored by at Josh underscore war on Twitter. He makes very cool customized commissioned wood signs or logos. So you might have seen him on Twitter already. If not, make sure you go check him out again. It's at Josh underscore war. That's W-A-R-R. He does great stuff. I bought a sign actually for my father-in-law. It's an Ohio State sign. He does BYU signs. He does any college team you want. He's done NFL teams that I've seen. He does great work. It's all Birchwood. They're always affordable, and he always includes free shipping as well. So if you're interested, check him out on Twitter. Again, one more time, it's at Josh underscore War. That's W-A-R-R. You also can text him if you don't have Twitter to submit an order. That is 801-310-2625. Business inquiries only, of course, but feel free to reach out, see what you can get commission from him. He does great work. It's very high quality. I can verify myself. Super high quality for a very low price. So big shout out to Josh. Also, we are very excited to announce that we are officially proud affiliates with KuConnect. Now, the landscape of college football is constantly changing, as we know, especially right now with NIL, the name, image, and likeness rules that have just changed for college athletes, which means a lot of schools are able to offer these deals to athletes to really help them succeed, help set them up for success at their respective universities. And if you want to be a part of helping BYU players and athletes specifically, make sure you subscribe to Koo Connect. They are the premier NIL company with BYU Athletics. Make sure you check them out. We actually have a link in our website now, so make sure you go to our website, use the link we have in there to subscribe to Koo Connect. And if you do so, it supports us as well here at the Cougar Talk Podcast. Again, it's just a monthly subscription. Almost 100% of that money will go towards those athletes towards those NIL deals, and it's going to get you some awesome access to inside looks into practices, player-written reports, even opportunities to meet and hang out with the players themselves. So it's a very well-run company. I'm a subscriber. I love the info that we get from KuConnect. Make sure you go check them out again. Go to CougarTalkPodcast.com. Find the link to subscribe to KuConnect from there, and make sure you subscribe. 
Diving into this week's episode, Chris, you mentioned specifically you've been watching the NFL games going on lately, and that just immediately makes me think just right off the bat about how fun of a week it was for week one in the NFL for BYU players specifically, former BYU guys that really just balled out this week. So I want to give especially, you know, a shout out to the one that is probably at the front of everybody's mind because of the entire situation going on with him. But Zach Wilson, man, the whole storyline for the Jets this offseason was landing Aaron Rodgers. Zach was going to be the backup to Aaron. And on the fourth play of Aaron's time in New York, he unfortunately tears his Achilles. Zach has to step up. And, you know, he didn't have a you know, to say dominant performance quite as much, but he did what was needed to get the Jets a win over the Buffalo Bills, who is not a bad team. Absolutely. And then going around the NFL for other Cougs, I want to mention Puka Nakua specifically on his performance on Sunday. He became one of four NFL receivers to record 10 receptions and over 100 yards in their first ever career game. So he is one of four in that category. And with Cooper Cup being out, it looks like the Rams are going to be using Puka a lot. So if you'd like to see him play, tune into some Rams games. You're going to see a lot from him. And then I also wanted to mention Tyler Algier. People were kind of concerned about his usage with the Falcons drafting Bijan Robinson. But he was able to get in the end zone twice, handled about half the carries for them. And he is going to be a big part of their offense as well. So... We do have lots of Cougs balling out in the pros right now. I just wanted to shout out those guys. And there are so many more. I think we have 16 total on 53-man rosters. So shout out to all the Cougs that are on pros right now. Yeah, I, I can't really explain how my feelings were on Sunday watching Puka because he was doing this all against my Seahawks. I'm a big Seahawks fan. So I was very, very conflicted on how to feel. You know, I wanted the Seahawks to win, of course, but I loved watching Puka ball out. It just felt like he was constantly getting open and getting those good looks for Matthew Stafford to throw to him. So very entertaining. Also, you know, from what I've seen so far, I, I've actually saw someone tweet about this, but it kind of feels like Tyler Algier might step into almost a Jamal Williams type of role that Jamal had last year with the Lions, or maybe he's not the every down back entirely, but they know he's going to be the guy that can get them a touchdown. They know they can put him down put him in, especially in the red zone, and he will score for them. So super fun watching him as well. So it was a great week in the NFL for former Cougars. But let's actually talk now about this past week for BYU. Now, if you for some reason missed it, BYU faced off against Southern Utah on Saturday. It was an afternoon kickoff, and we won 41-16. to So Chris, what stood out to you about that 41-16 to win? Yeah, the first thing that stood out to me immediately was the improved passing game. Uh, Keaton Slovis looked very sharp on Saturday. He did have the one interception where he was getting hit as he threw. I don't really think that's his fault. But the four touchdowns, 348 yards, he completed 22 of his 32 passes, and he had some dimes on Saturday. The ball to Isaac Rex didn't end up being a touchdown, but he threaded the needle between three defenders. And throws like that are the kind of things that we were hoping to see coming out of Keaton Slovis from the transfer portal. I loved watching Keaton Slovis. I loved watching the defense and especially Marcus McKenzie on special teams. Special guy right there. Like, I am so excited to watch him play. He's only played two games and he's already made five, six plays, it feels like. So those are some of my shout outs from the week. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I straight up thought every single time we have punted this season 
Marcus McKenzie has been the one there to tackle the punt returner immediately. And, you know, that's not specifically the case here, but it feels like that. And it makes sense because he seriously is so quick to get to that punt returner. You know, it's probably a little bit easier with a punter like Ryan Rico, but the fact that he is there every single time he is always involved in the play to get to that punt returner. It's incredible to watch. Like we, We've seen it on Twitter. We've talked about it in our own group. We've talked to each other about it. One of our favorite pairings really on this team is that pairing of, you know, it's not Keaton or Darius so far. It's Ryan Rico and Marcus McKenzie. Also on that same point, we got to give a shout out to Harrison Taggart, the new transfer in from Oregon. He had that blocked punt in the game too. So special teams overall was a lot of fun to watch this past week. But jumping back specifically to what you said about Slovis, this was kind of the Keaton Slovis that we all as BYU fans expected to get this season. You know, he had his struggles with the passing game week one. He didn't play his best, and we all had those concerns about him specifically. We had concerns about the offense overall, but week one brought quite a few concerns about how Keaton is going to fit in this offense here at BYU. But one thing that I actually talked to you, Chris, about was, you know, in the moment, I was still a little bit nervous about some of his decision making and honestly, some of his um, not accuracy, but his completion percentage, so to say. But looking back on this, I actually am proven very wrong. You know, him being 22 for 32 on the day with 348 yards, averaging 10 yards per pass. That is a fantastic stat line against anybody. You know, we played FCS opponent Southern Utah, but that's what you expect from him to do against Southern Utah. So, you know, we I'm, I'm thrilled to be seeing a stat line like that specifically from Keaton. Yeah, absolutely. It was really exciting to see. And with him doing so well, it it does give a lot of hope for the rest of the season. I know a lot of fans after the Sam Houston game were a little concerned. Maybe we didn't get the right guy. Maybe we needed something different, but I think he put a lot of those rumors to bed and I hope that he's going to continue that performance for the rest of the season. Now going off of that, Keaton had a great day, but want to talk about what went wrong this game. It was a pretty good game, but there were still things that could be improved. Most notably the running game. I know you had some thoughts on that. I kind of wanted to hear what you think about the run game and, only getting those 46 yards on 23 carries. Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of difficult because we have very high expectations for this offensive line. And so having a stat sheet with rushing yards showing like that, only 46 yards on 23 carries, which averages out to about two yards per carry, that is not what you want to see against Southern Utah. Now, I know on the coordinator's corner show, they had A-Rod on there and Kalani has talked about this too just about how Southern Utah kind of stacked the box every play almost it seemed like they were really focusing on stopping the run and it opened up the pass game. So they, their whole thing was kind of, you know, they opened it up. So we took what they gave us with that pass game. And as much as that can be true, that does not mean there are not going to be concerns about this run game for me specifically, even if they are stacking that box against us, we need to be working on that run game. Um, It felt like, you know, even sometimes during the game, the passing offense wasn't necessarily in sync and we could have used more of that running offense, but we just didn't see any of that. It's also, you know, a major concern when the leading rusher on the game 
is true freshman LJ Martin with 27 yards off six carries, which is four yards per carry, which is good for LJ himself. But as a team, that should not be your leading rusher for a game for the entirety of the game. So that brings up some major concerns we have, especially with our offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. You you would love to see the run game improve there. I Improvement from the offensive line and run blocking and improvement from the running backs and being able to kind of break off some bigger runs is going to be one of the key factors to focus on this season. And then also on the offense, we're having we're still having some issues with penalties. We had another illegal touching with a wide receiver downfield penalty. It just kind of goes back to the formation and figuring out which guys are on the line of scrimmage. Some pretty fundamental things that you want to have worked out as an offense and things that won't really fly when you're playing teams like Arkansas and getting into the Big 12 play. So you just really want the game to get cleaned up on both sides there. Just make sure you're avoiding dumb penalties and really locking in and everybody doing their job without trying to do too much. Which, and, you know, when we had that penalty called against us against Sam Houston, you know, for those of you who were not watching or weren't really familiar with what the call was, you know, I believe in Sam Houston it was Chase Roberts. I think this one might have been Isaac Rex. Essentially what it is is our guys are not lined up correctly in the formation pre-snap, which means they are not lining up as eligible receivers. They're still getting downfield like a receiver and they're making the catch. So the penalty is ineligible receiver downfield, but since they are the receiver that is touching the ball first too, that means it is also an illegal touching, which is a loss of down. The scheme thing, it's a coaching thing, whatever it is, it's got to be worked out. Those aren't penalties that we can be having in games like this week against Arkansas specifically. Now, I do want to go ahead and go back to just on the positive side. I do think, you know, as frustrating as this game could have been with some of those concerns we had, it was overall a good game. It was the game that we really needed to have against Southern Utah. So with that said, I do want to briefly um, go over more positive things from the game are players of the game. Who were the main players we thought, you know, made that main difference on both sides of the ball? So starting with defense, you know, it, it's very hard to actually choose a player of the game for the defense because they all played so good. So I think, you know, we kind of decided the player of the game for the defense was the defense as a whole. You know, it was the kind of game where you can't just give credit to one specific person on the defense because they all did good. They were all assignment sound and it was just a good defensive performance overall. You know, specifically, we do want to give a shout out though to players like, you know, Ben Bywater, Ethan Slade. They both had, you know, leading the team in, in tackles. They both felt like they were all over the field, making open field tackles at the right time, especially on the outside run game by Southern Utah. So, you know, we did have some dudes that showed up specifically on that defense that really made that difference. Yeah, and I'd love to give a shout out too to Camden Garrett. He did come down with that interception, had a pass deflection as well. Kind of fun story with Camden Garrett. Him and I actually worked out with the same trainer. It's Christian Sandoval at Total Athlete Training in Riverton. Great guy. And I've seen Camden work out. He's a beast. And so seeing him get interceptions and play well for BYU has not been a surprise for me at all. But kind of a fun personal relationship there. And then moving over to the offensive side of the ball, uh, there's quite a few guys we can give a shout out to. I predicted that Darius Lasseter would be player of the game pregame last week, and he had himself a great day. Five catches, 73 yards, and he broke off that one really long touchdown on a screen. 
but my player of the game is going to have to be Keaton Slovis. I mean, throws for almost 350 yards and four touchdowns. It's it's hard to, and rushed for one touchdown as well. So it's hard for me to give it to anybody else. I'm going to go Keaton Slovis there. You know, and that's that's a very well-deserved offensive player of the game. I think also along with him, we got to give the recognition to Isaac Rex. You know, he had 112 yards off of only four catches. You know, a lot of that came from his 65-yard pass from Keaton, as you mentioned before, that absolute laser that Keaton threw to him downfield. Threaded the needle perfectly through the defenders. So it was very fun to watch that one. But it was just overall a great performance by Isaac Rex. He did fantastic. Overall, it was just so good by everyone. So I am totally fine with giving that player of the game to Keaton Slovis. You know, we had almost three dudes who were close to over 100 yards receiving on Saturday, which actually I remember was one of your hot takes that we'd have multiple receivers with over 100 we had Chase Roberts with 84 yards. Darius Lester had 73. And it was just a good overall performance by Keaton and our receivers and Isaac Rex, of course, as well at tight end. So it was, it was a fun offense to watch overall. So again, kind of one of those games that it's difficult to choose one specific player of the game for each side of the ball. Now, moving on, though, just our overall main takeaways from the game. At least my main takeaway from this matchup against Southern Utah was that something in the offensive line needs to be switched up to fix things. There's something that is not clicking there, whether it's personnel, whether it's scheme, whether it's, you know, training beforehand, practice throughout the week, whatever it is, something needs to change there. And that is my main takeaway from this game. We are not going to be able to be competitive with most of our games this season if our offensive line doesn't step up, doesn't make the changes that are needed, and doesn't improve their game. Um, I, I'm not as big of an X's and O's guys guy. We've talked about this before, so I don't know exactly what that changes for sure. I don't have that answer, but there is something that's got to click there. Otherwise, it might be a very long season for us. So that's one of my main takeaways from this game. Yeah, and my main takeaway is going to be a quote from Kobe, job's not finished. We're up 2-0, but we still have a long season ahead of us. We had a good bounce back offensive game against SUU, but the job is not nearly finished. And we're going to have to see how we play against these bigger teams coming up here to see how well we're going to do. So I think it's been good. It's been solid, but we're going to get our first real big test of the season coming up this week. So we got to be prepared. We got to go out and try to finish that job. And I think... We're going to try and rise to the occasion as best we can there. Absolutely. Now, moving on to this week, you kind of introed that perfectly for me. This week, we are facing off against Arkansas. Just some game details for you all. This game is going to be at 5.30 p.m. kickoff. It's at Arkansas, and it is going to be on ESPN2. It should hopefully be a pretty good matchup for us. For uniforms, I love always calling out the uniforms that we're wearing because when you look good, you play good, and you feel good. And this week, we are going with the Royal Oreo combo, meaning we are wearing Royal helmet, white uniform, Royal pants. I love this combo, especially with the white face mask that we are pulling out this week as well. Such a great combo. I'm probably going to say that about every combo that we have. I know there's a lot of argument or debate on Twitter, especially that I see all the time about, you know, which combos are bad, which combos people don't like. I'm one of those people that I like all of them. I like how all of the combos look. 
I don't think we really have a bad look as BYU. So I'm excited for this combo. It'll look pretty good against, you know, the Arkansas Red this week. Just previewing a little bit about who this Arkansas team is. Arkansas is 2-0 so far this season with wins over West Carolina and Kent State. They played Kent State last week. That final score was 28-6. It was a little more low scoring for Arkansas. And the thing I do want to point out just to start is that from what I've seen actually from Arkansas fans is they have kind of been so far in the same boat as BYU fans these past couple of weeks, just where they're a little bit worried and not very satisfied with their offense specifically. Now, they scored only 28 points against a very poor Kent State defense, which we'll get into in just a little bit. But that's kind of a brief overview of what it's looked like for Arkansas so far this year. Yeah, and one of the big storylines for them is they are currently missing their star running back, Raheem Rocket Sanders there. He had an incredible game against us last year, had two touchdowns and just pretty much ran all over us. So it is going to be interesting to see how they can respond without having him at the helm. But we all know that KJ Jefferson is a great talent in college football. He's one of the premier quarterbacks. He might not be up there in the top tier, but he is definitely up there in terms of all of the quarterbacks. He currently has five passing touchdowns on the season. Again, like you mentioned, they had a little lackluster performance against Kent State there. But KJ Jefferson is able to put this team on his back, and I would not be surprised if we see him try and do that this Saturday. And that's, you know, essentially kind of what he did against us last season. I remember... I didn't watch too much of that game live just because it was, you know, just a couple of days after my son was born. And so I was a little bit preoccupied then, but I just remember he it felt like he just took over the game entirely last year. I think most BYU fans are aware of who KJ Jefferson is. I mean, he's tall, like 6'4", 6'5", almost 250 pounds. He's a big dude, but he's also super fast and super accurate with his passes. So he, he is... You know, honestly, Arkansas's biggest threat, especially with Sanders out. I do want to point out, though, that even with Rocket Sanders not playing us this week, they do have their backup in A.J. Green, who he himself is a good player. He had 82 yards off of 15 rushes against Kent State. He had 50 yards against BYU last year on top of Sanders, 175. So he's not any joke either. He is a good running back. So it's not going to be a situation where there's any massive drop-off. He's going to step up into that role, I think, as well. I also want to point out another name for BYU fans to kind of watch for from Arkansas is wide receiver Andrew Armstrong. You know, Chris, as you mentioned, K.J. Jefferson has five passing touchdowns through the first two weeks of the season. And three of those five passing touchdowns have been to receiver Andrew Armstrong. So he's had a good season so far as well. Um, he had two of those touchdowns against Kent State last week. He's big. He's 6'4", 200 pounds. So he is going to be that red zone threat. But, you know, pairing him up also with their leading receiver last week and on the season, Isaac Tesla, it should be a pretty dangerous passing offense from Arkansas. So, you know, even with their running back out for the game, it is still going to be a very difficult matchup for our defense. Even though, you know, Kent State has struggled so far this season, 
they they are not going to take us lightly. They are going to be a very tough tough offense to stop. Now, with that said, kind of moving over to the defensive side of things for Arkansas, they held Kent State last week to only 26 yards of rushing offense. And I specifically want to call out the fact that Kent State quarterback Michael Alimo, Alimo, he had negative 46 rushing yards on the day last week. So they recorded seven sacks, 11 tackles for loss, so their defense is no joke either. Absolutely. I was going to talk about the defense a little bit. So Arkansas scored, scored 28 points against Kent State last week. One of them did come from an interception return for a touchdown. They have two pick sixes on the season, one in each game. And in total, they have five interceptions and a fumble recovery. So they are currently averaging three turnovers forced per game by the defense. So that defense is going to be a struggle for us. BYU is going to have to take care of the football. We're going to have to stay away from turnover-worthy plays and really play sound football because this Arkansas defense will take advantage of that. And then one player on the defense I wanted to point out as well is defensive end Trajan Jeffcoat. He is a redshirt senior, and he's looking to have a great season this year. He already has a sack and a half, and he's supposed to be one of their better defensive linemen. So you're going to have to keep an eye on him as the offensive line and pass protection and make sure that he cannot get to Keaton Slovis because he will impact the game from his defensive end spot. And on that same point, you know, if we want to have those long sustained drives without any turnovers, a lot of that, a lot of that is going to have to come from BYU's running offense, rushing offense. And one player from Arkansas specifically that I also want to call out that could be, you know, a big hurdle for BYU to get over with that rushing offense is linebacker Jaheim Thomas. He is kind of, you know, I would say he's in a somewhat similar role has been Bywater or Max Tooley, kind of where he's their go-to guy to stop the run. He's their leading tackler. He he is, you know, kind of that heat-seeking missile where whenever there's a hard hit, whenever there's a scrum, whenever there's a big tackle needing to be made, it just seems like he is always there involved. So he's another player to watch out for. Yeah, and then one last thing to point out about Arkansas here is they do have LSU next week on the schedule. And I know as college football teams, you're not supposed to look ahead. But with an opponent like that looming, it might be a little bit hard for them to not overlook BYU there. I've heard a lot of Arkansas fans kind of talking about how this week is just to stay healthy and just to get prepared for that LSU game. But there is a chance that we get overlooked a little bit here and they don't come out as hot as they should. So I hope BYU kind of steps on the gas early, really tries to put it to them quick, either a three and out on defense or go down and score on your first drive on offense, but really just show them that we're there to play and make them not overlook us. Absolutely. And I think us BYU fans are kind of familiar with that concept of overlooking teams. It kind of felt like that's what BYU had done with week one with Sam Houston kind of felt like we didn't take them seriously enough. And I think part of that is because they were looking ahead to this Arkansas game specifically. Now, let's go ahead and dive into who is week three BYU. We talked last week about who week two BYU was going to be. Let's talk about week three BYU. Now, last week, we said specifically we expected a little bit more of the pass game to step up, and we saw that. This week, I think we are going to hopefully be seeing the opposite. For us to have any passing game this week, we need to have the run game established so the offensive line has to figure it out. You know, it, it 
you know, it's easy for them to just catch all the blame in that rushing game when sometimes it does have to do with the running back. But either way, the O-line does have to figure it out a little bit more. You know, this Arkansas defense, as we mentioned, are specifically great against rushing offense. And their defensive line is big. Even their corners and their defensive backs are big. So this is a big Arkansas defense. We need to use our speed against that a little bit. We need to establish that run. And that is how we are going to open up that pass game against this team. Now, on the point of the running offense for BYU, um, it's kind of funny. I actually had a note on here. You know, Aiden Robbins kind of got less and less touches last week. And so I was wondering if we were going to start seeing depth changes eventually. Well, you know, not even an hour after I had made that note, it was actually just announced today by A-Rod that LJ Martin has got the starting position for this week. So expect a lot of LJ Martin this week. Hopefully he's going to be able to take advantage of these touches, even as a true freshman. And on that same point, we'll also probably see plenty of Deion Smith for passing downs and for any outside runs because he especially has that speed. Yeah, and kind of going back to your first point there about really developing the run game and getting that figured out. I do disagree with you just a little bit in that ideally, yes, we get the run game figured out. But with the current state of BYU, I don't know that we will get that run game figured out. And so if we go out there and we aren't able to run the ball on Arkansas's big front, I would love to see us just commit to passing the ball. Because if you try and do something that doesn't work for too long, Arkansas is going to take the lead and they're going to run away with the game. So I would love to see the offense figure it out in the run game. But if it is not working, I think they need to ditch that pretty quickly and go with what does. Otherwise, we might not have a shot in this game after the first quarter if we try to stick to that too much. So I love that we're bringing up LJ to the top of the depth chart. I love that we're rotating backs and trying to figure out what works. But we need to figure it out quickly. And if not, we need to be able to go and commit to something that does. So on on that same point, Chris, do you think – Keaton is going to be able to repeat the same production that he had last week against Southern Utah then because that is the other concern is yeah he had a good game but it was against an FCS opponent the week before was our first FBS opponent of the season and he struggled so if we do have to bail on that running game do you think we are able to find success in the passing game still even if they run commit do you think Keaton has what it takes to have a consistent and productive game against a good defensive back team like Arkansas. Yeah, so do I think he's going to be putting up 350 yards and four touchdowns? No, probably not. I do expect him to have around 40 passing attempts this week. I think we are going to lean heavily on that passing game. And from last year, Arkansas's corners were getting a little bit burned by guys like Cody Epps and Puka Nakua. I know Puka's a generational talent, but their corners were having a little bit of an issue with the receivers. So I do think that we're going to be able to get some passing game going. I would expect Keaton to go for 250 to 300 yards. I would love to see three touchdowns from him there. Will it be as good of a performance as SUU? No, but I do think that Keaton will have a good game passing, and I do think our receivers will be able to find holes in their defense that we can expose. It's just a matter of executing when we find them. You know what? Okay. I, I, I can take that. You you know more of the analytical side of things than I do, so I I can get on board with that. I hope that's the case, um, You know, and I hope Keaton kind of proves a lot of people wrong about him and his game. And that's, that's actually kind of why last week I kind of made the claim that Southern Utah could potentially be our biggest game of the year. Not because of the 
you know, general strength of the opponent, not because of any, you know, specific importance that the game holds in regards to the conference for conference play. All, I, I said that because we need Keaton to be, you know, freshman year USC Keaton Slovis. We need him to be that distributor. We need him to be the one to step up and make those big plays. And we need that consistently. And so, you know, I am hoping I, I, I'm a little bit hesitant to predict that it's going to happen for sure, but I am hoping that our win against Southern Utah got him his groove back a little bit. It made him feel like that weight is off his shoulders, kind of, you know, get the skunk out of the boat here, so to say, and really get focused in and locked in and find his rhythm behind this offensive line. And with these receivers, it also felt like our receivers played a little bit better last week as well, getting open looks for Keaton to throw to and just overall playing with a lot more, uh, not really urgency, but speed and intensity, trying to make those plays happen, especially when the run game was stalling. So I, I hope that's the case. I do think, though, we still will need that run game a little bit more than that because if we can't get anything going with that and they expect the passing, then I think we do see some struggles. Now, jumping over to the defensive side of the ball, I I also think, you know, this week we might have some BYU fans get a little bit nervous specifically because we are used to the defense really stepping out, stepping up and being a lot more stout of a defense so far in the first two weeks. But as we talked about with Arkansas specifically, they – have a lot of threats and a lot of weapons on their offense. And so, you know, this will be a challenge, as you said before, Chris, for our defense specifically. You know, Jay Hill has done a phenomenal job so far. He's had our team very prepared so far. But those were against new FBS opponent Sam Houston, who is one of the teams in the FBS that hasn't even scored this year, I don't think. And a touchdown, at least. I think they had a field goal against Air Force, but they didn't even break 100 yards of offense against Air Force. And then we have FCS opponent, Southern Utah. So I think, you know, with this being Jay Hill's first big challenge of a Power 5 opponent, I do think we run into some hiccups there. It's expected. And I do think it will make BYU fans a little bit nervous. Our goal for this week is going to be bringing pressure on KJ Jefferson making him uncomfortable and really you know last last year we had a lot of times we got into the backfield brought pressure to him but didn't you know finish the tackle or make his sack we want to be doing that this game and so expect some of those deep balls when we bring pressure it is going to open up things for a deeper pass yeah and i have quite a few keys for the defense here this game the first one is going to be containing kj K.J. Jefferson had as many completions as he had rushing attempts last week. He had 13 of each, and he is a prolific runner. So I think BYU's first thing is going to be trying to keep K.J. in the pocket, like you said, getting pressure on him, keep him uncomfortable. I do think we're going to see BYU not send as many guys at K.J. I think we will see a lot of four-man rushes with maybe a linebacker spy or maybe three-man rushes with a spy there. But I think... What we're going to try and do is just stay in our nickel package as much as possible. Let Eddie Hecker, Jacob Robinson, and Camden Garrett kind of do their thing because those guys can compete with 
really anybody. I do think they can keep up with Arkansas receivers. You keep Malik Moore over the top, and I think you just let the secondary do their job and contain K.J. Jefferson as much as possible. Do I expect them to give up upwards of 20 points, say between 20 and 30? Yes, but I do think we are going to make it a lot harder on them than they think, and I do think that we can surprise some people with some big turnovers and big plays on defense still, even though we haven't seen a team like Arkansas yet. And and that's going to be the other big thing is one other thing about this Arkansas offense is they had some solid drives throughout the season and then they kind of would stall out where they would have a good drive going, have either a penalty or a dropped pass. And so they did make mistakes themselves, you know, stalling those drives, keeping them from getting points. And that's why we see a low scoring outcome against Kent State last week. You know, I was rewatching that game just a little bit while I was working on stuff earlier today, and I accounted three times, I think, in the first quarter that they had a long, you know, third down pass to a receiver that was right in between defenders. KJ Jefferson thread the needle and the receiver dropped the ball. And so I think a part of that too is going to be forcing more of those mistakes, make those receivers a little bit uncomfortable too make them a little bit worried about getting hit, and that's where you get balls dropped like that. So that that's going to be another thing specifically for our defense is we just need that intensity. We need to make them nervous. We can't let them get comfortable, especially where it's a home game for them. We really need to make them uncomfortable, and a big part of that is going to be from intensity. We haven't necessarily seen that intensity from the entire team every game so far this year, but – this is going to be almost a revenge game for us. I really think that this could be a big high intensity game for our defense specifically. They really want to go out and prove that this is a different defense. As we've talked about, kind of the motto of this defense is this defense is different. And they want to go out to prove that. I can feel that from them when I, from what I've seen with player interviews after practices this week. So I personally do expect that this week three BYU team is going to be a lot higher intensity. Now, moving on to just keys of the game a little bit, we kind of brushed on some of those keys to the game earlier, but diving a little bit deeper into those specifically, my keys to the game, as I mentioned before, is I do think we need to establish that run game. You don't entirely agree because you think we can get that pass game going if we don't get anything going for the running game. But I think for us to be able to hang with our offense, we need to be able to have that running game as a threat as well. We can't have our only weapons be Keaton and our receivers. I also want to see a lot of that from LJ. He's proven that he could do it against Sam Houston. He can make the right reads. He can push downhill and turn on the Jets when needed. I would love to have that run game established, especially for the fact that that's going to help keep our defense off of the field and keep KJ Jefferson off the field, hold on to the ball as long as we possibly can. And then another key to the game that I have is actually that I think we are going to need at least one, if not more, major momentum changing play from our defense or from our special teams. Whether that's a forced turnover, whether that's a blocked kick, or if it's even you know a punt or kick return touchdown, we are going to need one of those major momentum changing plays especially early on where it's at an sec opponent's home field the crowd is going to be all bought in 
We need that momentum to go in our favor. And the best way to do so is with a crazy momentum changing play like a turnover or a special teams touchdown. But Chris, you kind of had a different approach with us needing that run game established. So I'm curious to hear from you. What are your keys to beating this Arkansas team? Yeah, so first of all, I would like to clarify my stance on the run game a little bit. I would absolutely love to be able to establish the run game and have the run game become a thing. I just also live in a realistic world where I don't know how possible that is. So if it's possible to establish the run game, 100% rely on that, use it, and help that open up other things. I just don't think it will happen, which is why I think we're going to rely on the pass. But my keys to the game here... Uh, first one is going to be keep them out of the red zone. Arkansas is tied with Michigan State for number one in the country. They have a 100% red zone conversion rate for touchdowns, and they both lead NCAA with eight. BYU is also 100% in the red zone with only six attempts, all going for touchdowns. So keeping Arkansas out of the red zone is a good way to keep them from scoring. And then my other key of the game, like I mentioned before, is contain KJ. That's going to be the biggest thing with Rocket Sanders being out of the game. If we can hold KJ Jefferson to stay in the pocket, to force him to make throws, make him beat you with his arm, which he definitely can do. But as long as we don't let him get out of the pocket and create with his legs as well, it'll make things a lot easier on our secondary and on our defense in a whole. Let's go ahead and get into the predictions for the game. I want to hear what you think the score prediction is, your offensive and defensive players of the game, and then let's hear a hot take for you. Yeah, this one I I've been going so back and forth with because I I get a little bit confused with this Arkansas team because they you know watching them they can seem so dominant at times but then they also have times where they really struggle and so it's kind of hard to predict what we're going to see from them against us specifically. It's also sometimes hard to predict what we're going to see from us. Now, one thing that everybody will quickly learn about me is that I am very blue goggled sometimes. I always convince myself that BYU is going to win games. And so for my prediction, I, I'm going to stay true to that. I, I do think BYU can win this game. We're going to need to play very assignment sound. We cannot be making mistakes. We have to lead in the turnover margin. But my prediction is that the final score is going to be 21-17 with BYU taking the win. I think our offensive player of the game is going to be Darius Lassiter specifically. You know, you mentioned we want to get that pass game working, especially if the run game does not work. I think either way, even if we do get that run game going, it will open up the passing game for us. And I think we're going to see another great performance by Darius Lassiter. He had his great performance last week against Southern Utah, got his first touchdown as a BYU Cougar. I expect that momentum to keep rolling. So I'm predicting that he is going to be the offensive player of the game. On the defensive side of the ball, this is kind of the opposite direction of where I've gone with past players of the game for defense. I haven't made many predictions around our defensive line. I think the defensive player of the game is going to be Tyler Batty. You know, he has one sack on the season. I believe he's the one with the sack. But he, he's kind of had a quiet season so far, though, other than some pressure he brought in the Sam Houston game. And one of the concerns about our defense, one of the few concerns, is that pressure on the quarterback. I think with the quarterback matchup we have with K.J. Jefferson, we're going to really emphasize getting that pressure on him. And so I think Tyler Batty is going to play a major role in that. 
I think he is going to be the defensive player of the game there. And then for my hot take, my hot take is that we do have a special teams touchdown. I think we are going to actually have specifically a punt or kick return touchdown. So that's going to be my hot take. We haven't seen one of those from BYU in years. I couldn't even tell you when the last punt or kick return touchdown was for BYU. So I think specifically if we give Parker Kingston a shot, my hot take is that he takes it to the house. I love that. That went so many different directions, and I liked every single one of them there. So starting off for my score prediction, I am also a BYU homer, but I will give a little bit of a sad, realistic pick today. I think Arkansas is going to take this one in a close one, 28-25. I would absolutely love to be proven wrong, though. Please don't take that as me hoping is anything different. Uh, my offensive player of the game, I'm going to go with kind of a surprise. If he plays, I'm saying Cody Epps will be the player of the game. I talked to him after the Sam Houston game. He told me he was going to be ready for Arkansas. We don't have confirmation if he will or not, but if he plays, I think he will have a great game. In the case that he doesn't, I will go with Chase Roberts. I like the receiver route there. You went Lassiter. I think Roberts is going to have a great game. I think those that receiver that receiving core is going to be very important in order for us to win. So if we win, I do think it will be one of those receivers. And Cody Epps is my first pick there. Uh, for defense, I also love the direction you went there. The secondary has been going crazy these first two games. But this game, I'm going to go with Max Tooley. I think he has all the physical gifts needed to be able to be the guy that helps contain KJ. He can rush the, rush the passer. He can play coverage. He can make tackles. I think he's going to make his name heard on Saturday. I think he will probably lead the team in tackles, and I will think he's going to be one of the most important parts of our scheme of containing this Arkansas offense. And then my hot take for the week is I think that there will be five or more combined turnovers this game. Don't know how they're going to happen. Fumbles, muff punts, interceptions. I just think there will be a lot of them. It'll, it's going to be a crazy game. I'm predicting five or more total turnovers. And, and let's see if we can get Marcus McKenzie with another one of those forced fumbles on a punt, right? That would be so fantastic to see. Yeah, that gets your awesome. special teams touchdown. He's going to drill a punt returner after he catches it, fumble. He's going to pick it up, run it in himself. That's how your special teams touchdown is happening right there. <laughs> and I, I totally had forgotten that Cody Epps could be back. You know, he's been kind of held out with the injury. He's been dressed on the sideline but hasn't seen game time and kind of from the reports that we've been seeing so far is that there was a chance that he was possibly kind of being held out just to be safe for Arkansas. If that's the case and he gets back and is close to hundred percent healthy, I do also agree that he could very well be the offensive player of the game. He, he really stepped up for us last season when we needed him. And he is one of those guys that we are definitely missing on this offense, especially for Keaton. I think, you know, from what we've seen so far, they seem to have great chemistry off the field. I would love to see that kind of be the case on the field as well. With all of this said, you know, I take some more hypothetical or blue goggled approaches. Chris is a lot more realistic because he understands football a lot better than I do. We all know that and recognize that. But let's go ahead and move on from this BYU matchup a little bit. As excited as we are. There are also some great matchups happening in college football. Last week there were, and this week there will be. So week two, we gave our predictions of good games to watch, the games we were excited to watch. So Chris, I think rightfully so, 
You 100% deserve to talk about the game of the week prediction you made last week. Tell us about what your favorite game was last week that you got to watch. Man, you nailed it there. That Texas-Alabama game, I called it from the beginning of the season. If you listen to our first episode, that was my game of the year was Texas-Alabama. I thought Texas had a great shot to beat Alabama, especially with viewers going out last year. And man, was that a fun one. There were lots of deep balls, lots of open receivers, crazy plays, and just overall good football there. And Texas coming out with the win was exactly what I predicted. I thought they would go into Tuscaloosa, shock everyone, and kind of prove that maybe this year they really are back. So that was easily my favorite game of the weekend. I was glued to the screen the entire time that game was on, and I loved every single second of it. You know, major props to Quinn Ewers, man. He played so good. He looks very different than he has in the past. You know, everybody talks about how he's gotten more in shape. He's lost weight. I think also just mentally, he seems a lot more locked in. And I think, you know, I agree that Texas very well could be back as, you know, hard as it is for me to admit that. I think Quinn Ewers specifically is the guy that is making it so Texas could be back this year. Now, some other games that I had talked about last week that did end up being some good games, not as good as Texas-Alabama, but we saw Tulane and Ole Miss. That was a very, very close game. It was actually ended up being won by Ole Miss because of a false start penalty that was called against them. Essentially, if you missed it, they went for it on, I believe it was fourth and two. They were in Tulane territory, but they wanted to go for it just to finish the game, win the game. They ended up getting stopped or fumbling it. I can't remember for sure. I think it might have actually been a fumble, but it was called back because of a false start penalty. It ended up not being an actual play. And because of that false start, they were able to go a different route, essentially. I can't remember all the specific details, but... Essentially, that saved the game for them, and they beat Tulane. It was a close one. And then the other game that I had specifically mentioned was Iowa and Iowa State. That was also a good game. You know, at the start, Iowa kind of took hold of the game. They never really let it go. Iowa State did make a little bit of a push more towards the end. It was a little bit too little too late, though, and Iowa held on and got that rivalry win. Now, moving on to week three, we also have a couple rivalry games that I am excited for. Um, You know, we have number 15, Kansas State at Missouri. That's going to be a good rivalry game. It's a Big 12 SEC matchup. Former Big 12 member, Missouri. So that should be a good game. I'm looking forward to that one. And then, of course, the Pitt at West Virginia game. That is going to be another rivalry game that I'm excited to watch. I watched it last year with Keaton Slovis starting to Pitt. You know, everybody remembers probably the video of him, you know, cheering against West Virginia specifically. I'm not going to say what he said because this is a family-friendly channel, but that was a fun game to watch last year. I'm hoping it's a fun game to watch again this year because I do think that is one of the more slept-on rivalries in college football. Now, Chris, what games are you excited to watch this week? Yeah, so I've kind of got two games on my roster here, the lesser of which being number 11, Tennessee at Florida. Tennessee got off to a slow start last week against Austin PA. They ended up only scoring 30 points in a 30 to 13 win. I do think they are a little bit vulnerable. Florida hasn't been the Florida of past, but I do think with the game being in Florida and Tennessee kind of coming off a rough performance, that could be a game to watch. Uh, My number one game of the week, though, is going to be number eight, Washington at Michigan State. 
Michigan State's 2-0. They've gotten off to a great start. I mentioned them a little bit earlier in their red zone conversion rate. They've scored eight touchdowns on eight trips to the red zone. And I do think the game being at Michigan State, Washington trying to come into the Big Ten in the future there, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. And I think it stays close for pretty much the whole game. I know Washington is a great team, but I do think Michigan State comes to play this week. And I'm excited to see how that turns out. I'm looking forward to that one as well. That's a good pick. Now, with all of this said, you know, we are still a somewhat new podcast. We are finding our flow of things, and we want to hear from you. All of the people who are listening to this, we would love any feedback you have for us, things you want to hear more of in our podcast, things you might want to hear a little bit less of in our podcast. So where we are new, we want all of that feedback. So make sure you follow us on our social accounts. On Twitter, it's at Talk Podcast. It's the same for Instagram at Kook Talk Podcast. You know our DMs are always open, so let us know what you think. Also, make sure you check out our website. It's cougartalkpodcast.com, and let us know what you think about this podcast. We'd appreciate if you left a five-star review, left a positive review for us as well on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcast. Those are the two platforms we are live on right now. If you did that, that would be a huge support to us. And then one of the bigger ways you can support us as well, again, I talked about this at the beginning, but if you go to our website, cougartalkpodcast.com, use the very bottom link to be a Coug Connect subscriber. That helps support our channel here as well. So we would appreciate it a ton if you all did that. Also, make sure you share, share this podcast with any other BYU fans that you think would enjoy listening to a couple of BYU fans talking about what they think about this BYU team. But make sure you tune in next week. We're going to do our review of the Arkansas matchup. We're also going to do our preview of the Kansas matchup. So it should be a good time. But, you know, we are really enjoying this. We are really enjoying the support we've received, and we appreciate it a ton. Chris, do you have anything you'd like to end with? Go Cougs. Awesome. It's always go Cougs from us here at the Cougar Talk Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And let's hope for a good football game this week. This was the Cougar Talk Podcast. Thanks for listening. 